It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brewers have already pulled to within one. It's a 5-4 Reds lead. Line drive, center field, Hamilton going back, leaps, can't get it, and it's going all the way to the wall. Shaw rounding second, rounding third. Here he comes, play at the plate, the throw not in time, and that is going to be a triple for Domingo Santana on the first pitch he sees, and it's now a 6-5 Brewer lead. That is how it sounded yesterday. Wandy Peralta giving up a three-run seventh inning in the Brew Crew. Come into Great American Ballpark, snap their losing streak after getting swept over the weekend, and down the Reds 6-5. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked on Reds podcast. We do this every single day, giving you your daily Reds fix. You can subscribe on plenty of different platforms, including Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Every podcast is well posted at LockedOnReds.com. A ton to get into, including Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, coming up in just a second. Tonight, it's Reds, it's Brewers in the second game of this three-game series at Great American Ballpark. And Homer Bailey takes the mound. He's going up uh, against... Um, excuse me. He's going up against Chase Anderson, who's 2-2 two and two on the year. A 2.86 earned run average has thrown... 34 innings for the Milwaukee Brewers. Meanwhile, Homer Bailey, who's pitched relatively well this season. I think overall, I, I would have taken, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year, through the first month, month he would have pitched like he has, I would take it. That being said, 0-3 on the year, a 4.19 ERA, looking for his first W of the 2018 season. And with that, let's welcome in Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, author of The Big 50, also writes for Cincinnati Magazine. He's on Twitter, at Dotson C. It's been a little while since we've talked. Let's start with your current state or the current state of the Reds. What is your opinion on what's going on right now with the 2018 Reds? I I really think the current Reds are the team that I thought we were going to see from day one, which is they're they're using some of the younger guys a little more, and they're finally starting to hit. That offense could not continue being as bad as it was. Obviously, Joey Votto was going to come around. Uh, getting Suarez and, and Shebler back from injury help. So they're really sort of where I thought they'd be at the beginning of the year. The problem is if they play roughly 500 ball, which I, I thought they could do at the beginning of the year, uh, they're still going to be, they put themselves in such a deep hole with this miserable start. But uh, but I, I think there are plenty of things that are worth watching here, and, and, and I'm still watching every night. That's the thing. You can lose if you're hitting and it at least be entertaining. <laughs> like it, the brand of baseball they played in the first three weeks where they just weren't hitting at all. They weren't hitting home runs. They weren't getting on base. It was, it's the worst kind. I'd rather lose a game 12 to eight than lose a game two to nothing. And they had a lot more two to nothings than 12 to eight. The way it was early, you know, you get down by a run and you feel like, Oh, this thing's over. Yep, I agree. There's no chance of coming back. So at least now <laughs> uh, with, with almost everyone hitting well now, there's always a chance, so it's at least more entertaining. If, if, if it's not always good baseball, it's more entertaining baseball. Yeah, it is. And we're joined by Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. And it's it's interesting because they make the move early on to, mo- to move on from Brian Price, and naturally we knew they were going to hit better. He's 4-7 and seven as of now as the Reds manager. Is there anything different that stands out to you about the way Riggleman manages, whether it's a lineup or anything like that, that you like or dislike compared to Brian Price? Well, 
you know, it's really unfair to Brian Price to say that the Riggleman gets the, the credit for them hitting better now because they were always going to hit better than exactly. they did, whether Price was a manager or not. But to go to your question, the only thing that I can see is it, that it does appear that some of the younger guys are getting a little bit more of an opportunity, Alex Blandino in particular. Um, I just, you know, Peraza's, Jose Peraza's still getting his chances. Jesse Winker's playing regularly. And it makes me wonder if there was some kind of a disconnect between Brian Price and the front office that the, the front office wanted some of these younger guys to get a little more opportunity. And, of course, uh, Price just, you know, he buried Blandino basically in favor of Cliff Pennington and, and Phil Gosling, which just made no sense for a rebuilding team. So the only thing I can see is that we're getting a little bit more of the uh, the younger guys. And uh, to me, that's that's fantastic. Uh, that's that, That's what – that's what I want to see out of a rebuild. I mean, if the question I ask, is this a rebuild or isn't it? And if it is, let's see these younger guys. And uh, there's one particular younger guy that I still want to see that they have stuck in AAA. But other than that, I don't think there's much of a difference between Regelman and Price, except that he's using a slightly different group of players. He's not using the Penningtons and the Gotlands. And let's talk about some of the younger guys and a guy who his, his last two outings has been impressive. Last week, Tyler Malley brings a no-hitter uh, into the seventh inning. They end up picking up the win, even though Scooter Jeanette almost gave it away. And then the other day as well, pitched six and a third, pitched very well, and they were able to pick up an 8-2 to two win and win their first series of the year. What have you seen from Tyler Malley? I think Tyler Malley must be the most underrated pitcher in baseball. I, I, I've seen, look at his uh, record, from the time that he signed at a high school in California to the time he reported in rookie ball, uh, out in Arizona with the Reds, uh, through Daytona and Pensacola and Louisville and Cincinnati, and he's done nothing but get hitters out at every step of the way, and yet he never even snuck onto any prospect list until this past year when I think Baseball America had him at number 90 in their top 100 before this season. But even then, all the all the sort of pundits and the prospect gurus and the scouts said, well, he's gonna, his ceiling is he's going to be a nice little mid-rotation starter. And maybe that's the case. Maybe his stuff isn't as good as Luis Castillo's, or maybe he doesn't have the stuff of a Robert Stevenson or a, even a Brandon Finnegan. I'll, I'll, I'll concede that. But how long do we ignore the fact that everywhere he goes, he gets people out, and he's the best pitcher on every staff he's on, and he's the youngest of any of these uh, young starting pitchers that the Reds have? I think it's time to give him a little bit of respect. Yeah, I, it's... It's interesting, and you I remember you saying this in spring training, that you were really high on Tyler Malley, and all he does is get people out, and so far he's done that. I guess I'm trying to find bright spots, because it's when you're 7-22, and 22, there aren't many, but I think it is safe to say Malley's been one of them. Oh, no question. One of the things I liked about Sal Romano last year in his rookie year at age 23 was it looked like every single time in the second half of the season he pitched, he was learning, he was getting better, he was improving, and that's what I see out of Malley, too. I mean, his last two starts had not just been excellent. I mean, obviously he took uh, a no-hitter into the seventh inning in one, and the other one he pitched into the seventh inning and only gave up one run. But you can just sort of see him, his confidence growing, and he it feels like he's in control at all times out there. And, again, this is a guy that can place the fastball wherever he wants it. He can get his fastball up to, you know, 96 or so, but he pitches a, kind of like Bronson Arroyo used to, a wide range of speeds. He changes speeds. The scouts say that his secondary pitches are, you know, at best average. Maybe that's true, but uh, I'm not a scout. I can't say. But I just see him throwing the ball where he wants to throw it, making hitters do what he wants them to do, and he's now pitching against the greatest hitters uh, in the game. 
and still doing the same things he did in rookie ball. I, I just – at some point, the results on the field have to matter more than whether a guy throws 100 miles an hour. Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, is joining us today on the Locked on Reds podcast. I'm your host, James Erpine. Chad, let's dive into – some not so bright spots of the Reds, or maybe they're bright. Let's discuss. How about this? Let's discuss some of the young players. Some of them not so bright. Others pretty bright. Let's start. And what comes to mind when I mention the name Brandon Finnegan? Question mark. I mean, <laughs> I've always thought that Finnegan could develop into a starter, and a lot of people said he's going to be a reliever. He's going to be a reliever, and of course, he pitched in relief in the World Series for the. The Royals and the Reds got him. But I felt like he had that ability. But he is so inefficient. He has so much trouble throwing strikes that he's it's causing him difficulty getting deep into games. And he's never really had an outstanding uh, start in the last two years, uh, the little that he's pitched. So, you know, I don't think we really know what we have with him. He's still young. He still has all the talent in the world. But unless he can throw strikes more consistently – He's going to get left behind, and I, I really don't know why he's starting, uh, why he's in the rotation now ahead of Amir Garrett. I, I can't figure that one out. Yeah, I can't either, and it's you just wonder how long that's going to happen, how long that's going to to take. Because yesterday he was okay, I guess. I mean, the final numbers weren't bad. I mean, three runs over five innings, but I'm not confident. Like I, I'm confident now with Tyler Malley. I'm confident. Even tonight, Homer Bailey, I think he'll pitch relatively well. He's not going to be so bad that they're completely out of it. When Brandon Finnegan's on the mound, I'm worried that he's going to give up like six runs in the first inning, and they're going to be totally out of it by inning number three. Yeah, it's sort of the same thing I said with Malley a moment ago. At some point, results are going to have to matter with these young pitchers. And if he's not getting it done, and he's really not done anything to distinguish himself from the pack, why not? Why not give uh, Amir Garrett a start? Somebody that has distinguished himself, and so yeah, uh, I, I think Finnegan. Uh, no reason to give up, up on him yet. He has way too much talent, but at some point the results are going to have to start m- uh, matching up with what the scouting reports say, and I have not seen it yet. Uh, a guy that has showed a lot uh, in 82 at bats this year is Jesse Winker. He's hitting 305 right now, on base percentage north of 400 right now at four. 14. What do you like? What do you dislike about the uh, the Reds' young prospect? Not a lot to dislike about him, certainly. He's not, uh, <laughs> he's probably at best average defensively, but at the plate, it's been a long time uh, since we've seen a player come up from the minor leagues with a better idea of what the strike zone is and how to manage the strike zone. And really, uh, Joey Votto's the last one. And, and I'm not comparing Jesse Winker to Joey Votto, but the guy acts like a veteran at the plate. He knows what's a strike and what's not a strike, and he, he doesn't mind taking a walk. He only swings at pitches he can drive. And just having him at the top of the order really changes this Reds offense, especially when the guys like Votto and Suarez and Shebler are hitting well behind him because he'll score a lot of runs. He'll be on base a lot. I'm just thrilled to see Jesse Winker doing what everyone had sort of hoped he would do. And to me, Jesse Winker needs to be the starting right fielder the rest of the season. You can work everybody else however you want in the rotation, but Jesse Winker has to play, you know, six out of seven games uh, for the rest of the season because he's he's that good, and he's also going to be one of the cornerstones of the next good Reds team whenever that is. So yeah, no yeah. reason not to play him if we're talking about again. Is this a rebuild or isn't it? 
If it's a reboot, you play Jesse Winker over Adam Duvall. Yes, absolutely. Especially when I'm watching Winker hit leadoff and get on base at a really high clip. And I'm watching Adam Duvall. Did you see him yesterday swing at that one ball? And I get it. But did you see the ball that like landed three feet ahead of the plate that he swung at yesterday? Yes. Come on, Adam. You see that too often with Duvall. <laughs> Duvall, has, you know, he's, he's good defensively and he hits with some power, but um, he's the same guy we had, you know, two years ago when we first got him, and he's not going to change. Jesse Winker represents some growth. He can still grow from where he is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm as frustrated by Duvall as anyone. I, I'm with you. And final one here, and it's a, a guy that, that to me, I get it with you, and I'm with you on Winker, and it's just they all tie together in this outfield. To me, why not just put Platoon, Hamilton, Duvall, and Shepler, two spots for three of those guys, and play Winker? Because all of all three of those guys have significant flaws. None of them are probably the future. Two out of the three definitely are, and I don't think Hamilton's going to be here much longer. He might not even be here past the trade deadline. To me, it's a no-brainer looking at Shepler, looking at Hamilton, looking at Duvall, that you can free up two spots and bench one of them, especially if it's a guy like Hamilton who you could bring in to pitch run at any point. I think that's what what the Reds have to do. It's it's a little more difficult when you consider the fact that really Billy Hamilton is an elite defensive center fielder, and and Scott Shibber really can't play center field defensively very well. But if you pick and choose which stadiums uh, that he's playing center field in, it's not the ones with the big uh, expansive outfields. I think you do have to. Figure out a way to shuffle those three guys in and out. Because you mentioned Billy Hamilton providing some value as a late-inning defensive replacement or as a pinch runner. Well, Shebler or Duvall on the bench, they provide some real value as a as a big power bat on the bench as well on the days they aren't playing. So I don't see any reason not to, if you're going to say it's a rotation, not to have Jesse Winker not be part of the rotation. Let's say he's one of the guys, 24 years old, he's one of the guys that we're counting on for the next you know, five, seven years. He's got to play, and the rest of these guys, show me that you deserve to be on the field. But it shouldn't come at the expense of Winker's playing time. Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, is with us. And, Chad, you mentioned earlier in the podcast about a young man in AAA that you'd like to see come up when Scooter Jeanette, news broke of Scooter Jeanette's shoulder being sore, him kind of shutting it down for a couple days for rest. I bet you got excited about the idea of them calling Nick Senzel up from Louisville. I would have if the Reds hadn't dashed my hopes when Eugenio Suarez got uh, hurt and they didn't, they didn't bring up Nick Senzel at that time. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I hear the Reds talking about urgency. Players need to play with more urgency. And then I see them not bringing up a guy. While the Atlanta Braves have three guys age 21 or younger that they all have, that they have going to be starting for them tonight at a similar place in the rebuild. I don't understand why Nick Senzel isn't up here unless it is just that they're trying to wait past what they call the Super 2 deadline so they can save uh, a few bucks uh, on the back end of his contract. And if that's what it is, if it's something so cynical as trying to save a few bucks, I've got a real problem with because Uh-oh. Nixon Zell is absolutely one of the 25 best players in the organization. He's ready for the big leagues. Uh, I don't see any reason not to bring him up, especially when you got a guy banged up and you got an opportunity to shift him right in the starting lineup and give him some at-bats. But I've long since discovered that I don't have any idea what this front office is thinking because they're doing things that are just illogical to me. <laughs> Where would you play him if he, if you did bring him up? Oh, I'd have him start at second base, even if Scooter Jeanette's healthy. I, I, That's me, fair. Scooter Jeanette is not going, and I like Scooter Jeanette. Really good uh, chapter about him in our book. Chapter thirty nine is about Scooter Jeanette and the, the Big Fifty. 
Uh, I, I love the guy, but he's not going to be the next second baseman on the next good Reds team. He can barely play second base defensively now. He can hit a little bit, certainly. I, Nick Senzel is going to be that guy. I'd have him if, if the Reds don't think he can handle shortstop defensively, and I don't get the sense that they believe he can. I'd have him playing second base every single day for the rest of the season. He's Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com, also author of The Big 50, contributor for Cincinnati Magazine. I know you probably have a bunch of stuff coming out. Let all of our listeners know what you got coming out over the next couple of days. Oh, just got, I do have a piece on Tyler Malley we talked about earlier. It's going to be in Cincinnati Magazine today. Oh, nice. Um, talking about the Reds every day at RedLegNation.com. And, of course, uh, as you mentioned, the book, uh, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds, at Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's in bookstores. It's in the Cincinnati Public Library. Go out and get it uh, and read about some some times when being a Reds fan was a lot more fun. Yes, no doubt about it. And it's uh, I bought the book on Amazon. It's fly, it's flying off the shelves, man. There, I went once on Amazon and it sold out, and then the next day it was back. But it's it might be selling faster than Billy Hamilton runs. Well, let's not get crazy here, Jim. but it, it, we're, we're, we're pleased with the response. Uh, the Reds fan base is win or lose, they're passionate, and, and we're really pleased. Chad, I appreciate the time as always. I'll talk to you soon. Can't wait. That's Chad Dotson, RedLegNation.com. Really good stuff from him. Really, I'm dead serious about his book, by the way. The Big 50. If you're tired of seeing this rebuild, dealing with that, read about uh, some Reds history. You can get it on Amazon. That, that's how I got it. I'm a big Amazon guy. I heard the Amazon Prime memberships going up like 15 or 20 bucks a year, and I was like, yeah, I use it all the time, so it's still worth it. They got me hooked. It's one of those things. They got me hooked. And you can get the Big 50 if you got a Prime membership delivered right to your door. Really, really simple to do that. Well, the Reds gave up that game yesterday. Maybe, maybe they can get one today. I would love. Couldn't it? Wouldn't it be fun to win back-to-back games against the Brewers? I'm not saying it's likely. Get one tonight. Get one tomorrow. Huh. Back-to-back series wins. I'll take it. I think that's a... A little far-fetched at this point. I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Reds podcast. Make sure you check out LockedOnReds.com. There's a lot there for you, including every single podcast, including articles on Hunter Green, some thoughts on the Reds, um, and just there's so much more. But every single podcast is there. That's the place to be if you're looking for the podcast. You can also subscribe on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and uh, follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnReds at James Rapine. I'll be back at it tomorrow morning. Until then, thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Reds podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.